You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. Of course, I can do it for my children because they're my children. Um, And that should just like really bolster our faith that of course God really does see, really does care and really does act. Even if it feels like he's not, he does, he sees it. But for her, things deeply affect her. And so I've had to learn to really be slower to respond to her emotions and try to take the time to imagine what it is that she's feeling. And I've seen the fruit of that. And I've seen it strengthen our relationship. That on a kind of a, I don't know if that's a macro level or a micro level. That's, that's just an example of how my heart can look at something tragic that happened to somebody else and not care. Hey, this is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my co-host, the Cassie Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie? I'm doing great. Feeling energized. It's Sunday again. Sunday again. Love seeing you guys within the Sunday. Always got to talk about what day of the week we're recording. I know. These people can be listening any day you want, guys. You can listen anytime you want. But it is Sunday. You know, depending on the day, it might change how I feel when you ask how I'm doing. That's a good point. And people don't know if we did this Thursday night, you'd be really cranky, right? I'd be very tired. Monday morning and Thursday nights probably would not be my best. Oh. And also here, my wife, Chelsea Griffin. Chelsea, what day of the week would be your worst podcasting recording day? <laughs> I'm nocturnal, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so middle of the day would actually be the worst for you, 2 right? 2 p.m. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good time. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. hey, uh, today we're talking about compassion, or that's Aww. what I've heard. People need to know that before we got on the air, Cassie and I got in a huge tiff. Woof. A huge fight. It was... It was epic. I mean, we almost couldn't record this because I didn't want to record about compassion. I was nervous the band would break up. Yeah. Well, we was very close. We got real close, but (laughs) we're still, we're going to, we're going to push through. We're going to do this. Cassie, what were we fighting about? Why did you come at me like that? Oh, wow. Well, I, I, we decided, we thought we talked about toyed with talking about empathy instead of compassion as our virtue for this episode. It's been compassion. And then in my defense, Adam texted me. 11th hour. Not 11th hour, but not, I was like, I needed my brain space is not in a good space. I don't know that I do well being, you know. Yeah, it was like a Thursday, Sunday changes. night. Yeah. It was like a Thursday, Sunday night. <laughs> no. I was excited about compassion. I love compassion. It's a great virtue. Empathy threw me a little bit because I hadn't thought about that word and what that means and the implications on parenting. So I just felt unprepared. Well, the reason I want to bring this up, I'm not trying to call anybody out. I, I, oh, we really fine. did not get in a fight now about everyone this knows. at all. Yeah, yes. that, that part's a, a made up. Yeah, that was a, an imaginary fight. And now scene. And that's the end of our scene. Fabricated We're, for podcast drama. That's Ooh. right. It's all part of the show, everybody. We could read back the text. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatization. Yeah, we're all, we're all set. We're all square. But I do think empathy and compassion are related. We, I do want to talk. Sure. I do want to give room for the biblical idea of compassion and how we think about that as parents. The reason I was thinking about switching gears to empathy is when I think about struggles in particular. Mm. I think my struggles with compassion are empathy. They're about like, can I get there? Can I get there to feel what somebody else is feeling? Mm. But uh, just to kind of reset here, we're doing this vices and virtues season. Tonight, we're going to talk about compassion. We're going to talk about how we struggle with this. And we're going to talk about maybe where it's going well in our families, particularly in spiritual leadership. And then we'll talk about what a scripture have to say about it and hopefully be really helpful as we set you up, parents, to think about this in your own home. But let's start like this. Uh, 
Chelsea, when I say the word compassion, what kind of definitions, what kind of word association, what comes to mind for you when you think about word, the word compassion? I think about, you know, where we get where we get the word like pathology, pathos is, is the same way, same place we get the word passion, which means suffering, right? Mm. Like the passion of the Christ is his suffering. So compassion is kind of like to suffer with someone, to suffer mm-hmm. alongside them or to enter into their suffering. Our kids at their at their chapel, they'll do like a definition of a character quality or something like that. And the one that they give for compassion is um, seeing others' hurts and caring enough to do something about it, even if it's not convenient for me. Yeah, that's good. Um, which is always sounds really a lot more profound when a preschooler reads that out loud. You just, you feel <laughs> the preschooler doesn't know the definition for convenient. I know, but it, <laughs> it's so convicting because they're saying oh, it in such a sweet, tender voice and they're going, yeah, oh. it, it can be inconvenient. Yeah. And you're like, it can, yeah, you're it's right. really for the parents. You know, but you're like, well, you're right. Like, that's yeah, a lot, a lot of parenthood good. is inconvenient, right? Right. So a lot of parenting our kids with compassion is the willingness, if you think about it from the parenting perspective, the willingness of a mother or a father to in- inconvenience themselves for the care yeah. of somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. What uh, words, what definitions come to mind for you, Cassie, when you think about compassion? We've used a definition in children's ministry now for a long time when we talk about God's compassion, when we're kind of teaching on his attributes, and that is that he's compassionate, he sees, cares, and acts when others are in need. And good. So Can you say that free. one more time? So He, he sees, yeah. he cares, and he acts. That's good. Like A-C-T-S. Nice. So when others are in need, and so like likewise, when we are to be compassionate, then we would first need to see that there's even a need to be met and then care, which I think is that kind of empathy Good. piece, and then act so that mm. you're doing something about it. You're not just kind of sitting. Yeah. I think the church has made mistakes in, in both. We've like jumped to acting without ever really showing care, which is probably why the empathy piece is so important. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that's. I think empathy is what makes compassion hard for me because if I don't care, Acting can seem disingenuous, mm-hmm. can seem hypocritical, uh, and I want to I want to genuinely care, I really do. But let's uh, let's use that as a segue to talk about where we struggle when it comes to compassion. Let's think about particularly as it comes to being a mom, Chelsea, Cassie. Mm. Where is it hard for you to be compassionate? Where is it difficult, or maybe even for your children? Where is it difficult for you to see or maybe uh, stir up? compassion in them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think as a mom that can feel busy, both of us are working moms. So sometimes even the seeing piece is hard mm-hmm. because I can be distracted by a lot of other things and not fully present when I'm with my kids. And so of course I'm not expected to see their needs if I'm not with them. I'm thinking about their needs maybe. But when I even when I'm with them, I might be distracted and not take the time to see what's going on and the, the need that's there in order to even take the next two steps. And so I think starting is being present, the act of being present so that I can have the opportunity to be compassionate. And then the other one would be, you know, I just, I struggle with thinking my kids have a really charmed life. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm like, you don't know how good you have it. You're living your best childhood. This is so great. And I want them to be resilient. And so then it's really hard for me to show care about something that feels trivial. Yeah, I think trivial is a good word. Like if if my kids are going through something and it doesn't seem like a big deal to me, but they, for them, it's the biggest right. deal. It's hard for me not to just uh, get into that kind of, well, just grow up or just get over it kind of mindset, right? right? Whether it's the toddler who doesn't want to eat what they're supposed to eat, or whether you're dealing with a teenager who just went through their first breakup, there's a instinct in a parent who's an adult to mm. kind of not belittle necessarily, but think small. Yeah about the the problem, 
to, go, to instead of enter in and go like, what would it be like yeah. to have no control over what somebody put in front of me and to really not like it? Or what would it be like to go through a breakup and have my whole heart uh, mm-hmm. set on something and then have that taken away? And instead of saying, hey, don't worry about it, or this is not a big deal, or in the scheme of things or in your life, you will get over this. Instead going like, okay, I, I get it. Yeah. I understand. And trying to empathize a little bit. But Chelsea, what comes to mind for you when you think about what's difficult about compassion? Yeah, uh, same thing as you guys have said. I think we all experience a certain kind of compassion bias that if we relate to something, like Adam knows this, that you know I'm the youngest child in my family. And if I see an injustice mm-hmm. that is happening to the youngest child because they're the youngest child, um, <laughs> then... Yes then I will speak up so quickly. Yeah, It's time to intervene. We need to make sure that somebody doesn't feel left out. We need to make sure that someone's not excluded, feeling sad. That's so sad because I'm going, well, that's so sad. That's so hard because I know what that feels like. Yeah, And I want to make sure no one feels like that. So that, I mean, that is kind of that literal definition of compassion of like, Mm -hmm. well, I've suffered that too. So I know what it feels like. So, so like I'm here to help you. But then sometimes we hear other types of um, human suffering that can occur in the life of a child that are very easy. Like if you ordered something with no pickles and it came with pickles and then there are tears, you know, and those are moments sometimes where like a, there's a strong bias in us that says, well, like that's not true suffering. Now, yep. in my case, it is suffering. I don't like for a pickle to touch my face. <laughs> right. Well, it's me. I'm the one. I'm the one who's crying, and no one is. And no one is compassionate. No one's but I'm going. Do you understand this ruined my dinner? Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's saying like the underlying problem is an unmet expectation, right. which I've cried about unmet expectations. Exactly. Exactly. So if we yes. can distill their experience, like our yes. experience, to meet like theirs. Yes. Yes. One time I was watching an NFL football game with with a lot of people and yeah. the woman next to me does not care a lot about football and it was really coming. Wasn't me. No, it wasn't <laughs> you. Uh, uh, Passive does, Doesn't care a lot about how this ends or, oh. or at all, but it was a, a an NFL game with a lot of implications. And then the camera is kind of zooms in on one player who is, he's down on his knees and he is very clearly praying and she kind of made a comment how, of like how silly it was. And this person loves the Lord, but it was kind of like, because, you know, God doesn't care about football kind of thing. Like it's, and I said, well, don't you pray about your job? And I was like, I pray about my work. You know, yeah. work is like, you know, work is a big part of our life. So we pray about work, you know, and this man thinks that God cares about his life and his work, Yeah, you know, and it, it kind of, it reminds me of that idea of like, there are some things that we think are silly mm-hmm. and not worthy of compassion and some things that we go, no, that's that right there. That's important. And yeah. so now we'll enter into your suffering. And so we, ha- we, yeah, we carry a strong bias when it comes to this. I stuff. like the way you describe that as a compassion bias. Yeah. Because that is true. Like mm-hmm. we have where we find uh, something in common, where yeah. we find, Cassie, you might call it empathy, where I can have an uh, easier yes. time understanding what somebody else is going through, then it's maybe easier for me to relate yeah. in a way that leads me to either act or to care or both. I, I like what Cassie yeah. was talking about earlier as you define that for us. I, I would say it like this, and maybe this is confusing, but this is where it's really difficult for me. And I, I could really, honestly, I need your help with this. But things that don't affect me in the sense of like, don't have an impact on me, tend to not affect me. Like, don't bother me. Mm-hmm. Don't move me. Don't sure. inspire me. And so uh, I can watch a news story about something terrible on the other side of the world. And I can quickly change the channel and move on with my day. And part of that, it's like, it's so far away. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it affects me. Mm-hmm. And I that on a kind of a, I don't know if that's a macro level or a micro level. That's, that's just an example. 
of how my heart can look at something tragic that happened to somebody else and not care. Mm. And when I take a second and think about that, it really bothers me. Like, how can I possibly call myself a follower of God and see that there is millions of people suffering from something or thousands of people dying in an earthquake or an entire nation under attack, kids living in fear, refugees leaving their country because they're not safe. And I can go, oh, that's hard. Oh, mm. you know what? My sports team is on. I'm going to change the channel mm. and not even think about it. And then take that down to like a home level where I think about my kids and I am so concerned about my own day that it is so hard for me to really go there for when my kids are anxious about an art assignment yeah. or a math test, or they're worried about something socially that's happening between them and other kids at church or at school. And I can maybe try to coach them, you know, say like, I'll try to give them wise anecdotes to say, here's what I would do, or let's pray about that. But it's hard for me to really go there emotionally and go, oh man, I feel the weight of the weight that you're bearing mm. and let me help you with that because dad really cares. Now, don't get me wrong. I care about my kids. Mm -hmm. And if something bad happens to my kids, I certainly do well, yeah, care it you. for sure. But I have a hard time. I yeah. can see it in my heart. I have a hard time seeing how other people's suffering really impacts my heart in a way that I feel like a Christian's heart should feel. Mm. I feel callous. I wonder if it, like empathy or the care piece of compassion requires an imagination. You know, like to us. Well, Adam to, has a great imagination, though. <laughs> right, but you, you should be able to feel the suffering. I wonder if yeah. you could, like, yeah, be, you know, patient enough with the process of, like, imagining that you're in their shoes, putting yourself yeah. in their place. But that takes time and effort. Well, I'll tell you this. we, I, There was a time, a distinct memory I have at my grandfather's funeral, where I've, I've, all the men in my family looked around, their eyes were all full of tears. And I did not cry. And I remember thinking like, how is, how is everybody here crying? And I just don't feel like crying. But I feel like the Lord did a move in my heart after that, mm. that softened me. And this is important to explain because I don't believe that following Christ means that you are suddenly like a very weepy person or a very like uh, emotionally sensitive person. But I do think following Christ, if I have, if God is a God of compassion, like you said, Cassie, then his children are people of compassion because right. we are like him. Like beloved children want to imitate our father, Ephesians 1, or Ephesians 5, 1. Like a beloved child imitates their father. That's what I want. And so I do think that the Lord did some work in my heart, especially in my 20s and 30s, that led my heart to be softened. And as we had kids, similarly, now I go to, like, I can't help but weep at funerals. I, I led two funerals in the last week and a half. And at each one of them, I just... I have no problem getting there, crying with the people that are mm. crying, reading the story of Jesus and Lazarus and going, of course, Jesus wept, yeah. even though Lazarus was about to come right. back. Why? Because the whole place was full of weeping. He's looking around at these, all these people and he's weeping yeah. or looking at Jerusalem and weeping and going, oh, if you only knew. Like I can get there now, but I still feel kind of a conviction in my heart of like, I don't, I do, I'm not all the way there that in a way that I wish I was. And I think I probably express, I don't, I don't want to assume this, but I think a lot of men feel that way where we go, like I, I look at a, a most women or most moms, or at least the assumption about most moms is that they can very easily have compassion when people are hurting, when their kids are hurting. And I talk, I think a lot of men would struggle with the same thing I do of going like, I want to care like I see other people care. Mm. And I, I think I know what the right thing to say is and the right thing to do, but my heart struggles with caring as much about other people as it does about itself. Sure. Yeah. That's the human condition. Well, yeah. fix me. Change it. Well, I also want to set you free, though, a little bit. Like Come from, 
from the guilt or judgment on yourself for like not caring enough about people very, very distant from you or that you have no relation or connection to, I think that just reminds us of our humanity that like, Mm, like our capacity. Yeah. God can be everywhere. God doesn't sleep or slumber, but he designed all of us that like after being awake about 15 hours, we start to feel pretty sleepy and need to lay down, you know, like we can't possibly solve everything that, that ails everybody. Right. So the further away it is and the less connected to it, we are the less we feel. And I'm sure we all feel some sort of like, um, wavering in this that sometimes something will really kind of pull our heartstrings. Yeah. Even if it's unrelated to us and we'll, mm. you know, give to that need or, or do something about it. And other times, like you said, you kind of like flip back to our, our sports teams, you know, but I don't want you to, to condemn yourself in it. I do think that I, I see a lot of compassion in you all the time. Thanks, babe. Yeah. I received that. Let's transition. Speaking of like being strong, I don't think I'm a total weakling in this area, but I did want to get vulnerable and share like I do. I struggle. Yeah. I struggle with that. But let's talk about strengths. Where do we feel like we see compassion in our hearts or in our families where it's going well, where you do think there's a beautiful care and concern for others in your own heart? I think that one of my daughters and I are just very different. And so similar to what you've said in terms of like your heart changing and God you know, moving you towards a more softness of heart. I've seen him do that for me with her because I, I've, I've really struggled to understand why she gets upset hmm. by things or why I'm like, I tend to be a little less like compassionate in general and tend to just think like, not a big deal, blow it off. Like not, don't worry about it. But for her, things deeply affect her. And so I've had to learn to really be slower to respond to her emotions and try to take the time to, Imagine what it is that she's feeling. And I've seen the fruit of that. It, I've seen it strengthen our relationship. Because I think what there was damage done when I just kind of gave her a quick, mm. you know, retort or like a quick reply of like, you know, pull it together. This is not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, play the like eagle song. discounted her feeling in order to get her past it. Yeah. Right? Just get over it, you know? And yep. now it's like that compassion shows her like, wow, she cares. Even if I can't fully understand it. The fact that I can slow down and seek to imagine or even ask questions so that I can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen all that to say, I don't know that it's a strength, but I've definitely seen God move and change the way I That's relate good. to her. And it's not been a natural thing for me. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. Hey friends, it's March, and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. 
If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. I think I, I think I see this strong in you, Chelsea. Like you do, you strike a really good balance between in letting our kids indulge emotions that are healthy to express, and then fight those that are um, unfair or like a maybe if grounded in a lie. You know, like a, if they're upset because something in their perception is unjust, is unjust, is something is unfair. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, that's this is this is not true. So let's not indulge. Let's not wallow. Let's not self pity. But there are other times where a kid is genuinely hurt. One of our sons is genuinely hurt about something that would genuinely hurt anybody. And you are so good at not saying, we don't say things like, hey, don't you dare cry about this. Mm. Or uh, don't you, like, don't enjoy that. Like it's wrong to, no, you do really good at letting our kids indulge the emotions and indulge things that they should have been indulged. And then to fight those things that should be fight, uh, fought. Oh, thanks. That's yeah. good. I appreciate that. Yeah, I see it in you all the time. Well, You're good. great at it. I'm good. I... I honestly think when it comes to like compassion with our own kids, you know, it's a lot to the easiest people to be compassionate with, you know, Mm. I have the most grace for them. They're, they're our babies, you know, but again, always sweet to think about like, like Cassie, that definition you gave thinking about God, the father that he sees, he cares and he Mm -hmm. acts. And these are our children. These are our babies. And we are beloved children mm-hmm. of the fathers. And so um, that's super sweet to think about. Like, of course I can do it for my children because they're my children. Um, and that should just like really bolster our faith that of course God really does see, really does care and really does act. Even if it feels like he's not, he does, he sees it. And and we have a God who suffers, you know, unlike any other faith, we have a God who does suffer. So to say like, I'll enter into your suffering or that he really does have compassion there's no other really faith system that you could even try to make that claim, you know, that the God that yeah. God has compassion. But our our God, the God man Jesus Christ, literally suffers, and God the Father suffers in the death of his son. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's a really sweet picture. Yeah, that's good. I feel like um to share personally, like I I'm much much more apt to be hard on myself than I am to be like mm, proud of myself or something. But I do think a strength of mine, if I were to say a strength of Adam Griffin when it comes to compassion, is that I do feel like my muscles for being considerate are very strong. Like, I, I don't know if you guys would affirm this, but I feel like when I see somebody who has a need, I am aware for the most part. There's a need there, and yeah. I want to meet that need. Yeah. Border, borders on people-pleasing. It, it doesn't just border <laughs> on it. It is strongly grounded. I like that word, though, wanting, considerate. 
Yeah, uh, you're considerate. Yeah, I'm not a people pleaser. I'm just really considerate. I'm thoughtful of others. But you know, the, the hypocrisy in it, Cassie, is that when somebody else is inconsiderate, oh, sure. oh yeah. man, my blood is boiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I loved it. Uh, Chelsea and I went to a high school football game a couple weeks ago, and there was just inconsideration was on oh. full display. <laughs> and it was driving us both bananas. And I was so happy to like indulge in it both together. I wasn't alone in this going like, yeah, mm. people are the worst. I can't believe you're skipping in line and 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 totally not caring about us and our kids or anyway. There's always the shadow side. I do feel, yeah, I do feel strongly considerate of others. I do think one of the shadow sides of that though, Cassie, I like that that term shadow side. We use that is that sometimes I'll be considerate the stranger or considerate for the stranger at the expense of my family. Mm. So I see a stranger who needs or somebody in the church and the congregation who needs and go, well, my kids get me all the time. So I will give my time to this person who needs consideration. Mm. Or like that time you offered to break up a fight in the middle of the street. Do you remember that? Offered? I've broken up many fights no, no, no. in the you, middle of our no, street. No, but this one I was like, absolutely not. Like I was like, boy, do not widow me right now. Oh. Like <laughs> we're driving in a sh- through right. an area that is notoriously unsafe. And there are people, we have to stop our car and wait because there's a fist fight in the street. And Adam is like, I need to do something. And I was like, yeah, park yeah, it right here, up. lock the doors. <laughs> I'd be like, go in like, reverse. <laughs> To leave these kids fatherless because I was like, these people chose this. This is a way of life right here. I was like, they're these literally. People chose this. <laughs> I was like, so absolutely compassion. not. So in the Good Samaritan story, which yeah. person are you, Chelsea? <laughs> the the one who's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> You're the innkeeper making money off all <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Collecting them checks. Like, of course you can stay here. Cashing them checks. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Breaking up fights is probably a good example. There's been several times uh, in our. <laughs> in our marriage where do you remember even when we were dating do you remember there was a fight once when we were dating the one at, at school no it was in the parking lot we were on a date and I was like stay here there's two men fighting over there and I ran over <laughs> here and it turned out they were like goofing around or whatever anyway there's something in me that sees I'm someone I'm lucky I still have you yeah <laughs> and it's a it's not all this sounds like I'm really a great guy but really what it is is probably like a hero complex I have this thing in me that's like somebody should do something I should be the one to do it mm. not because I want to be made much of because mm. I feel like it's my responsibility and I have a chronic sense of responsibility. Like, mm. oh, if it's my job to do something, I better do it. And That's true. Because I'm tortured by the the, the parable, the talents that like yeah, I gotta yeah. gotta do everything I can with what I've got. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear like, hey, I, I gave you an opportunity and you missed it. And so I torture myself with that. But I do feel like in that, not the opposite of the shadow side. I think the bright side of this Ooh. is that the Lord's made me a person who wants to be compassionate, even when I'm not, and has a strong capacity to pursue consideration of others. And I think that serves our kids well. Our ki- I'm not inconsiderate of our children. No. Like I, no, you're I not. want to empathize with but No, being, being a shepherd of the sheep at our church has has flexed this for you big time. Yeah. You, yeah, I see you enter into grief and, and hard things so well. And um, it's not it's not like feigned. It's not fake. It I, I see it in you. I see you carry it, and it's very real. Thanks, babe. Can I offer? But you're a still con- a people pleaser. A consideration <laughs> sure for future fight breaking up. Oh, I hope that makes you happy. If you see a fight, maybe you could just yell, "Hey, break it up! I'm calling the police!" Like from far away. In our neighborhood, oh. they know the police aren't coming. Oh, <laughs> they're not. It's and oftentimes in the police. Come. Well, it's like, braggart. A lot. <laughs> 
must be nice. It's a small town. (laughs) You enjoy the suburbs. We'll just lock the doors in our car. Most of the fights I've broken up are kids. Kids with other kids. It's it's not like I'm running in with grown men. I'm I'm pulling a parenting move where parents are absent. Sure. And saying, stop. You need to, like, I I won't go into all the details. Some of them have been rather scary. Mm. But anyway, enough about that. Let's talk about scripture. Let's turn the corner to something really valuable for the people that are Mm -hmm. listening. What, What comes to mind to you? for you from the word of God, when you think about compassion, think about the compassion of our God. We've talked about some, the compassion a parent should have, mm-hmm. compassion we want to grow in our kids. What comes to mind for you from the word of God? We have a really catchy song in our kids' ministry. Sing it, Col- sing it. No, I'm not going to sing it. Colossians, maybe at the live podcast recording. I mean, oh, we have, we're, we're really stacking Eric, up the musical guests. Well, I'm just saying if Eric, you know, my Eric whistles, then he could also lead the song. But it's Colossians <laughs> 3.12. And it's therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion. Clothe yourselves in compassion. And That's so, the way the song goes? No, the song is much catchier than uh, that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and rhyming and whatnot, which implies that it's something you can put on. It's something, it's not, it's like something we choose to do. It's a muscle like we talked about with virtues. It's something that we're going to strengthen, we're going to tend to. That's good. Um, and we're going to seek to grow in. It's not like a, well, you got it or you don't. Yeah, you know? that's good. No, that's you, a, no you need you're to right. Put it on. That's an excuse that people use. Of like, well, if I don't care, then then I'm not going to do any something. Like, I'm not going to act. It's like, no, I want you to. Care. I want you to learn to care. I want you mm-hmm. to grow and care. I want you to love one another. Oh. And we don't get to go. Like, well, I don't love them. Mm-hmm. This is where the church is so great because, like, some of us might be better at seeing, and some are better at caring, and some are better with the acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like he's given us different, and yeah. that that doesn't excuse any one of us from a part of that because it is still all compassion. Yeah. But like, I have you know, a friend who's excellent at care and she's just so empathetic and she's going to be my go-to for a difficult situation of like, help me see, help me like, what am I missing here? Why, how yeah. am I not entering in? Cause I'm very quick to act. I'm like, how do we fix it? Let's Same. move on. I'm a like catalyzer. I'm like ready to get to the next problem to solve. Same. Mm-hmm. And so the caring friends are important for me to have if I'm going to try and put on the whole thing, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I'm very like Martha. If you're talking Martha, Mary, I'm like, if there's mm-hmm. something to do, I feel useful. Whereas like our mutual friend, Rebecca Nicewander, who's so oh. great. She listens every once in a while. Shout out Rebecca. We love you. She has like the biggest compassionate heart she of does. empathy of like, if you're crying, she will cry harder for you than you can yes. cry for yourself. Mm-hmm. Her heart is so big. And I love that in her because I'd love to see that that is the way that God the Father is for us. We so often picture God as this distant, kind of removed, unconcerned, right. supreme being, as opposed to the God we see in Jesus Christ who weeps with those who weep, even though he knows death has lost its sting. Right. I'm like, oh man, how great is that God? But also to care, to only care is not enough. Yeah. Like if God just looked down and was like, oh man, love you guys. Y'all are in a pickle, but didn't do anything. Then we'd still be in a pickle. Yeah, a lot of pickles in this episode. A lot of pickles. Speak Too to many pickles, <laughs> I'd say. Oh, I Chelsea, love pickles. What, uh, what comes to mind for you from the from the Word of God? Lots of it. A lot of the ways that the song, the different psalmists describe God, um, show His compassion, especially mm-hmm. like in picture ways. You know, talking about like you know Him gathering us under His wings. Psalm one forty seven says that He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. So you have this picture mm-hmm. of someone physically taking care of you kind of being your your physician or your healer, binding you up. Um, Hosea ch- chapter six also talks about God binding us up. It also says like he has torn us that he may heal us and that he struck us that he might bind us up. Um, but again, saying like even when he has a harsh thing for us to go through, like he's right there to bind us up. Good. Um, 
it's very powerful to me. Yeah, I love that. There's something really sweet about that for a parent as well when you think about the way God binds up what's mm-hmm. been broken. The, sometimes we give our kids consequences that they do not enjoy, but we're also the one there to uh, help them through it mm-hmm. and help them learn from it and yeah. then mend what hurts. Yeah. Right? And we see uh, an ultimate example of that in God, but we get to be like that in the way we parent. Mm-hmm. The problem with that, I think, sometimes is we think from a position of authority, we want our kids to have empathy for how hard it is to be in our spot or to empathize or to have compassion for what we want them to do, but we don't kind of make ourselves lowly the way the the Lord was willing to make himself lowly. He was willing to humble himself and say, I'll, I'll become one of you and be among you and understand what you're going through. And we, on the other hand, will, you know, we, we take authority and like the Gentiles do, we lord it over those. Uh, I think of Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, yeah. weep with those who weep. If I could be better at this for my kids, I think it would bless them big time. That if I could, when when they are sad about something, even if I think it's a small deal, enter in mm-hmm. and say, oh, dad, dad cares about that too. Mm-hmm. I think it would be meaningful for them. Yeah. And if I could enter in and when they are celebrating something, unless it is something arrogant or sinful or prideful, just to say like, sometimes our kids will bring us a Lego thing and it is, it's a weird, like, I don't know, uh, what would you call it, Chelsea? It's just like a, <laughs> it's, they obviously didn't follow the instructions. They're using their imagination creation. and it's beautiful in its own way. It's own creation. But they are so happy with it. And I kind of look at it quickly and go, that's really cool. Instead of the opportunity the Lord's given me there to like yeah. enter in with wow. them and be like, wow, yeah. tell me about everything about this. Just explain it to me. How'd you come up with it? There's that convenient piece. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even if it's inconvenient yeah. for me, like, can I look up from my phone long enough to care about what my kids care about? Mm. You know, can I, can I enter in, can I look them in the eye and tell them like, dad wants to know what you're right. feeling, what you're thinking about? What do you imagine? You think it's because we struggle to believe God cares? Can I get, if oh, getting yeah. back to like yeah. the football coach or whoever yeah. was praying, but like that God would actually care about the things we care about. I mean, yeah. we're called to care about what he cares about, widows yeah. and orphans right. and the poor. But for us to have a bad day, yeah, or whatever, and it's, yeah, it's so sure hard to run to the father, and yeah, and so I, w- I just wonder if there's the, like that broken, it's like fractured. Totally. Yeah. You know, Chelsea's heard me talk about this lately. There's a there's a, there's a story in scripture where Jesus has this really long day, where just to sum it up, like John the Baptist dies, he's grieving, he's like, mm-hmm. I just want to go out on a boat by myself, and when he's out on this boat, the people follow him, the crowd follows him. He gets across the sea. His best friend, his cousin, John the Baptist, the one he says is the best man ever born of women, he is dead, and he's done. He's died in a grievous way, and Jesus has compassion on these big crowd of people that showed up. He could say in that moment, hey, it's been a long day. Yeah, It's hard for me right I'm now. I'm grieving. I'm done. Taking I'm a grieving. personal day. <laughs> yes, do you mind if I go up in the mountain by myself? And instead, he has compassion. He stays mm-hmm. with them all day long, heals their sick, preaches to them. And the end of that, then they're hungry. And the disciples are like, well, let's send them away. And he's like, no, we're going to feed them. Yeah. And he doesn't just make the food they serve. They pick up the leftovers. They clean up after the crowd. They do all this work, even after this incredibly long day. And then after that, he sends the disciples out on the sea. And it says, and then he stays back and dismisses the crowd. So he takes even more work on himself. And then he goes up on a mountain to pray by himself. Then he walks on water after staying up all night praying. And I just think about how can a man like that, when he you know gets in the boat, gets across the sea after walking on water, still teaching the disciples along the way, sees more people across the sea that are all bringing their sick. And it says again, and he has compassion on them. This is our God. It's He's got this ending. relentless compassion. Yeah. You know, that we would say like, oh, we're sick. God must not care. And we go, then you don't understand my God. Yeah. 
my God cares. Mm -hmm. It does not mean that when you are still sick, he does not care. Uh, God is not purposeless in our sicknesses or illnesses, but he is not powerless in them either. Right. God cares about us and he can heal. And when he doesn't, he can still be trusted. And so we trust in that compassion. So I want to turn the corner real quick as we conclude this episode a little bit about the so what. If a, Think about it like this. If one of our moms, one of the dads who listens is going, how do I, how do I grow a heart? for my family? How do I help them grow a heart of compassion? What advice would you give them? What wisdom would you have to offer to say, hey, if you're, if you're struggling with compassion to care about somebody else's mm. hurts or to have a heart big enough for somebody else's uh, situation, how would you advise them? What do we do? I think practically, I mean, we know that only God can change our hearts. So we start with praying. Mm -hmm. Like God changed my heart. I recognize it's hard here or calloused or whatever. Right. And then I think which that, I can testify he has done in my life. Right, same. Yeah. It's not yeah, just it's not just a cliche to no. say, hey, pray about it. I'm saying no, that is real. what the Lord has done for me. Same. Um, and then I would say the second thing is like we've been given this model for spiritual spiritual discipline. So like even you were talking about Jesus praying, and uh, we have these opportunities to create maybe practices or disciplines in our life to help hone some of the seeing, the caring, and the yeah. acting. And so. It might be like working with your spouse or your community group or even your children if they're older of like, hey, let's practice, you know, I'm asking God would, you know, uh, grow my compassion for the poor. So will you help me? I mean, kids are great at seeing the poor, right? Yeah. My kids, like they spot it all over the city. They're so compassionate and I'm just the small, so- The small town that you're from. <laughs> where the police come. <laughs> the police do come. We also have I'm joking. Us. I'm joking. Uh, but there's, they just have eyes to see it better than I do because yeah. my heart is harder towards it. Yeah. And so, the, you know, so opportunities to see and, and to care and to act and kind of maybe creating practices for you and your spouse or your community uh, towards those things so you can practice them and then have the opportunity. That's like the breeding ground for where heart change can happen. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I would say... Um, like paying attention to some of your rhythms and to say like, what, what robs me of this mm -hmm. and, and what fosters it? And so thinking about if your kids go to preschool, Mother's Day out, full day of school, where, wherever they go, you know, thinking about when you're dropping them off and when you're picking them up, can you take time to pray? Or can you make a commitment to say, I'm going to put my phone down and I'm not mm -hmm. going to, I'm going to put it away for a while so that when I pick up my kid from a birthday party or from school, I can actually ask them, what did you enjoy? What was fun? What was, and, and listen you know, if if your child wants to share with you their own version of suffering, even if it seems trivial to us, um, how we can enter into those moments. And then when we are, you know, I think a big barrier, of course, to like compassion for others is is that our, we have ourselves at the center. And Good. so thinking about how you can offload your burdens onto the Lord. Like if mm -hmm. you were kind of like for our dads or, or moms at work, you're coming home from a long day at work and there's just such a tendency in us when we come home from work mm -hmm. to want to be served That's good. rather than to serve. And so how can you come home and, and before you enter into the door, how can you prepare your heart? Say the Lord is, the Lord's going to carry me. He's going to sustain me. But right now I'm going to go in and I'm going to serve and I'm going to serve my kids, my spouse mm -hmm. and try to think about what their day might've been like. That's great. Knowing that the Lord cares for me. Super helpful. I think something that's really helpful too, I love what you said about listening because I believe that knowledge leads to love. Like the more you know about something or if you want to love something more, learn more about it. And it's a, it's a cool thing about the way the human mind works that if you want to grow in love for something, it's not like it's satisfied with the more you know. In other words, if you were really into 
uh, sculpting or pottery and you started learning more about it, you don't go, oh, there, now my, my heart is satisfied and my heart is dwindling towards it. No, your heart grows towards it. You're like, oh, I'm loving it even more. Or if your heart loves baseball and the more you study it, the more you love it. And the same is true when it comes to people. If you learn your kids, the more you will grow in love and compassion for them. You understand the way they think, what they're thinking about, what they are going through. Who did they sit with today at lunch? Who, What do they enjoy doing? Can I do it with you? And the more you know about them, the more you will love them. Your heart will grow for them. And the same, the opposite is also true. I think that you will grow callous to those you do not mm-hmm. know. And it is true that if you do not care enough to enter in, to grow in knowledge, your heart can shrink towards people. And I think the same is true in our relationship with God often. is The, the mm-hmm. more you know of God, the more your heart will grow towards Him. It's, it's a natural outcropping of sanctification, of being yeah. uh, more exposed to the grace of God. Your heart will more appreciate who He is and what He's done for mm. you, and your heart will grow towards Him. And that's what I want for myself as a dad, is the more I know my kids, and there, the more there is to know, and there's more to know every day for my kids— the more my heart will grow for them and go, man, I'm, I, I have an easier time every day being mm. compassionate towards my kids. And then the more I know of myself, this comes from counsel, mentoring, discipleship, and marriage, sanctification. The more I know of myself, the more I can have compassion towards myself, mm. be forgiving towards myself, That's not good. be harsh towards myself. Like we talked about in our shame episode. And I want to have a, a heart that is, is quick to be forgiving towards my kids, mm-hmm. towards others, towards myself. And that's all rooted in this idea of compassion, having a yeah. heart that's willing to be to, to enter in. That's good. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. Visit one of our sponsors and share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you listeners. We'll be back next week. Can't wait. <laughs>